you look at these periods of big influx of immigrant population, simultaneously around a recession, it doesn't tend to be good for relationships between people who have maybe been here for multiple generations mm-hmm. and new to country. People get really ignorant really quickly. And if we do have massive job loss at the same time that there is a massive influx of new labor that maybe takes some of those jobs, I'm worried for what the fallout of that is from a political knee jerk. You know, people are dumb well, idiots. When, when, when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. Welcome to the Master Keys Podcast. I'm Chandler Halliburton. I'm Neil Andrino. This is a podcast all about real estate investment. We're here in Nova Scotia. We are the biggest real estate investment (laughs) podcast in Atlantic Canada. Fact-checked, proven, write it down. Um, We are real estate agents as well. I don't know how many million dollars worth of real estate. Four or five hundred million. About five hundred million dollars, I think, last check. We also have 200 plus units ourselves. So, we are coming at you guys, as always, to talk about the real estate market, just the investment market in general, the overall economy, everything that's going on in our world, to try to give some insight on how it's influenced our thinking and what we're doing in the investment space, and also just you know learn from you guys, the audience. Um, if you find anything you think is interesting, do not forget to like. Please subscribe. We see the data behind the scenes. A lot of you watch the show, but don't necessarily press that little ringy thing at the bottom, it does make a huge difference to us. So thank you so much. And we got uh, some interesting stuff to chat about here today. Yeah. Thanks guys for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. It's been growing a lot. I just want to say that because we've been getting back the numbers and things are finally starting to go. But yeah, today we're going to be talking about uh, our own personal news because we haven't done that in a long, long time. And some of you guys have been asking for an update. Uh, And then we're going to be going on about what's taking place in the States. There's some changes in their rental rates. Yeah. Kind of opposite to Canada. Um, And then on the flip side, Canada's having a boom. Because they're expecting lots more people. Yeah, so you've probably seen a couple of these things in, in the news. And interestingly, as this, as we're recording this right now, the Fed is going to do another announcement sometime within uh, the next 60 minutes that we're recording this. So we'll have an update on that. All the indicators are that it's going to be 75 points. But we remember that that was kind of the thought, or at least some of the thought out there with the last Canadian hike, and they only went to 50 points. I think the U.S. situation might be a little bit more dire. I think they probably are going to go to 75 points. The market's already building that down. I saw something like NASDAQ's already down 1% on expectation of this news. Um, But having said that, let's start here in Canada with that uh, migration stuff. Yes. So let's see exactly. The Canada side is a little different. Like you said, it sounds a little more promising than the States. Um, So the Fed just introduced or said, I guess, announced that they're expecting to do 500,000 people immigrating into the country in 2025. To put that in perspective, yeah. I guess they're saying last year, which I think is really this year, uh, was 400,000. Yeah. The coming yeah. year is 465,000, 2024. Um, and then for 2025, they're expecting a half million people. I'll say right up the front because every podcast... You nailed, you nailed it, Neil. Yeah, I've been screaming that they're going to... I'm still not convinced that this is for sure. Things can change. Things can change. Tell me yeah. things can change. Tell me things can change. But they, a bunch of people uh, messaged after the last episode and the last couple episodes where I'm like, the only thing I can see them doing is, is freezing up uh, immigration. If they don't come up with a plan to help people build housing. Um, but let me finish on why they're saying they want to crank up this um, in- immigration number. And that's because they want to fight job vacancy. And Tiff mentioned it there when he was mm-hmm. saying the inflation numbers are crazy, but they really want to be careful with runaway wage growth. And so one way to try and control runaway wage growth on top of uh, increasing interest rates is to have a ton of people available because if there's more people available, especially skilled people, it'll bring down the job vacancy and hopefully keep wages where they need to be. And so they're saying there's upwards of a million vacant positions that they need to fill. And so they're trying to bring in as many people as they can 
with a preference for skilled immigrants to try and fill in these positions. Um, and Atlanta, Canada, which is local yeah. to us, we're expecting a 40% bump. So the rest of Canada is expecting about a 20% bump. They're expecting a 40% bump uh, in the direction of Atlanta, Canada with, with immigration. So it should be interesting. So I love... Uh um, I was gonna actually tease you about how you really had your finger on the pulse with this one. Neil goes, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna slash immigration," uh, and then they announce a big push towards increased immigration. Don't worry, and the rest yeah, of the audience did that for you. Well, the <laughs> this is this double edged sword, and we talked about this before. You want to bring in people to fill these job vacancies, and I heard I heard a stat out of the states of something like there are one point nine available job postings for every one person looking, mm-hmm. and this is why. You know, how do you slow down the economy when the labor market is that robust, that shortage of supply, that high demand, whatever you want to call it? Uh, it's just going to continue to drive wages higher. If you're looking at it from a positive perspective, maybe that lends itself towards this soft landing. We had a, a question from someone asking about soft landing. Well, if we could get inflation somehow under control, we may not have the big unemployment that typically accompanies a recession. Right? Like typically, uh, unemployment goes above the normal rate during a recession, but we could because we're so oversaturated, we're so overemployed that we could have a situation that we're, we are able to pull down these prices while keeping um, unemployment in the in the healthy range. But these things tend to move in opposite direction. Like you need unemployment to slow inflation. Now here's here's my one concern with it is that on well, to the unemployment fact. I'm not going to say it's just because this is a housing podcast, but we need the housing for these people. We have the housing crisis. And with the costs and the rates and everything the way they are now, it's very difficult for a developer to provide affordable housing or for someone to afford a home. Um, And I just heard that home builders in this city are starting to do mass layoffs. I've had three calls Hmm. this week alone that some of the largest developers and home builders in this city are beginning with layoffs, which... This is where these would be presumably like subtrade, like subtrades that they would have brought in house, and now they're probably exactly. So they're starting to cut loose a lot of their subtrades that they had in house to try and reduce costs and to increase their efficiency, on and on and on. But so people are starting to make those layoffs. So they need to do something to incentivize housing. Like this is again, this is where they need to offer developers and builders and and these kinds of people with like whether it be a tax break or cheap money or something, because what's going to happen here is those job vacancies. The job postings are going to start to drop, right? Because it's more costly for money. A lot of companies are going to start to to pan down. Like this is going to yeah. again remedy itself faster than we think. Like it's oh, we have a million job vacancies, so we need a million people. No, I bet you have those million job vacancies. A quarter, if not half, of those will end up getting sucked up by the fact that people are actually going to start slowing down uh, on their spending, and these companies are going to start to remove some of these job postings. Right. Additionally, yeah. there's going to be companies that are laying people off, so they're going to fill up the other spaces. That's that's kind of the hope is sick as it sounds, right? Like you need that, uh, you need layoffs, you need um, people to stop hiring effectively to to get this under control. Um, The problem is the obvious double-edged sword is you bring in all these people and we have nowhere to house them. Because here's the thing, like we brought in somewhere like upper 400,000 people so far this year. Or or we're on on path, track for that. Um, So to target more people than that moving forward, we haven't solved the situation for the people we have, even just domestically, let alone new PRs, because these are all going to be permanent residents. The other thing is, we bring in, I don't know, 150, 200,000 international students and people on like working visas. Mm-hmm. So call it 650,000 people, give or take a year. 
Yeah. Um, we've seen that really aggressively here locally, the, the challenge with student housing, and not to dwell too much on our own municipality, our own provincial government, but they're now looking at ways to effectively have privatized student housing options and how to fast track those things. I don't know if you saw that, saw but that, yep. that's coming down the pipe too. Like we can't house the students, but we're going to continue bringing in 150 to 200,000 international students and work visa folks. We can't house our own people, but we're going to bring in 450 to 500,000 new PRs every year. And yes, we need them to fill these labor roles, but like this is a chicken and the egg, like classic problem we have on our hands here. What uh, question for you? What percentage of the Canadian population do you think is considered to be? I think it's first gen immigrant. Oh gosh. What would it be second generation? How's that work? Is the first generation non, not that comes born, in? not born, not born in Canada, but oh, living in okay. Canada? Gosh, I've already guessed. What percentage of our current population? Let's see. We're up from thirty million to I think we're about forty million right now. It's the matrix right now. These numbers flying around Chandler's head. No, but yeah, around forty mil. So we're up probably about ten million in the last fifteen years. Most of that's going to be immigration. So I don't know. I would say around twenty-five to thirty percent. I hate that that was actually how that worked out, but yeah, it's, I think it's twenty-six percent. Oh God. I regret my question. I'd like to take that episode back. Episode over. Episode, we're going to cut that section out. So if, if you guys want to unpack, I'm going to unpack the math because oh I'm feeling God. I'm feeling. If you divide myself, 10 by 40. Right? No. So I don't know. I, I don't have the, the population here, but I remember about 15 years or so, like we were always right around 30, yeah, 32 exactly. million. 30, exactly. And now we're right around 40. So we've grown by, I don't know, 10 million people over this last 15 or so years. People are going to, hammer those stats because I don't have Google here in front of me. Yeah. But domestically, that's not from us having babies. It's not. Like our we are not reproducing. The Western world in general is not reproducing at a rate that actually moves the needle and grows. Our birth rate's lower than our death rate. Yeah. So that in growth had to be effectively one hundred percent migration. Um and so then I just did a little bit of math, a little numerator <laughs> denominator. Okay, and I uh, came up with that Moving bang on stat. forward, as I say, what's happening in response to this? Go ahead. Okay. No, tell me. Well, this lent me to my other thought, and we've said this before. You and I are very much pro-immigration because we think that is a big part. That's a big economic driver for it our country. It's our main. Yeah. It's our main economic driver. Okay. Um, you know, like, there is another way to grow population, and that is for people to have more kids. And that's a novel idea. I that? know. You make it affordable for one parent to stay at home. Or you make it more affordable to have childcare. You make it more affordable to have children, period. It is very expensive to have kids. They're expensive little this buggers. Is a big, this is a big topic, and I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole, but do you think people are not having kids because of an affordability issue? I think in some cases they're... Yes. Short answer, yes. Um, and maybe it's more the difference between having two kids and three or four. But that does have implications to your population growth. Interesting. Do you think it, I like this? So I'm like, I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole, but, but the percentage of women that are working now, it changes like their design. Because I see a lot of them, they're like, if I have a kid, it screws up my whole career. Yeah, that, that's definitely part of it. I feel like that's a big one now. Like, I feel like the last gen prior to us, the percentage but, of, of that would be so, so much different. And, and some of that has been changing um, societal values, right? You know, um, I think more women are, are career focused than maybe two generations ago because of what society embeds in people and, and 
gender expectations and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think also people often need two household incomes now to live. Totally. Right? So if either person wanted to, whatever partner, if one of partner wanted to stay home, it may not be feasible. Yeah. Right? No, and if sure. you have a brood of children, someone probably needs to stay home because you are going to have differing ages and it's just not economically feasible. So you could argue that if uh, everything wasn't so damn expensive, we would actually have more population growth because people could afford to have larger families. They could afford to have children earlier. A lot of the other reason that people aren't having as many kids is because they can't get out of crippling student debt until they're like 30. And who wants to bring... Whipping out the student debt card. Well, no, like we we start our people off behind the eight ball. And so you can't start thinking about kids until you're in a financial, you know, solid situation, or at least most people think that way. I'm curious what the difference between the birth rate in Canada and the States would be, because in the States you have way more student debt. Uh, And that's like one little factor, but I'm just saying... No, I understand. understand. We have set people up to make it very financially hard to have children. And do you think they should have an incentive to do so? Do you think it's better that we start producing in-house or the imports? Producing in-house. Uh, we want to bring we'll children look at them as a commodity. back home. Um, well, like human capital is, is a commodity for sure. I think an incentive. I mean, that sounds so weird to be Give like... Give you two grand a month to, to be a kid. kid. However, you know, Can't there are things like, like kids. child allowances <laughs> and, and stuff like that. I think the incentive would be making... Childcare more affordable. Uh, I think you know, trying to get the cost of living down a bit, and all these things. Um, yeah. Anyway, this just got me thinking that you know, there are other ways to grow your population. But you have digressed. Um, we have I, digressed. I have digressed. And and again, we're very much pro immigration. And um, I understand your school of thought, which is that you think there's going to be pushback against immigration because of the housing issue. Um, it's not obviously coming with this particular government, and whether that's because this is the government's philosophy, or if this is because uh, they genuinely feel we need the labor, or if it's because they think oh these god. new voters almost look at this water delivery. You know, what is up? Oh my god! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Thanks, producer Mark. Um, there's also always that cynical aspect that uh, the government in power sometimes likes upping immigration because the sooner they can get those people to be voters the better because they're more likely to vote for the party that brought them into the country. Um, Let me hit you with this scenario. Okay. To give you a thousand bucks a month for each kid you have, you have like 10 kids living in your house. You appraise your house based on income approach. Oh my God, (laughs) I love it. We're getting 10K a month. What's the multiplier effect on this this set of twins I got? People are going to be leveraging their homes for millions and millions. The average house in Canada is going to go up to like five mil. Yeah. It's like, listen, it doesn't have a walk-out basement, but it does come with two kids <laughs> um, built in bunk beds no I mean like these are just interesting things to think about if we're going to have this pop, this conversation if we really have this thing glaring in our face where we have to decide what our population growth looks for and do you remember I talked about this one time because think of all these challenges and these questions we have mm. and then realize that our population as a world like the entire earth's population is uh, crescendoing right now I know. it's Elon about Musk to roll very over concerned. right yeah. so we are soon going to have declining global population which is very sketchy and the whole everything including our own economy is predicated on more people more people more people and we're going to be competing for the world's people so maybe we're just getting a head start on everyone maybe that's the idea with this but how is it going to affect housing well to bring it all the Jeez, way back to Halifax long walk. that was a long walk and we're all the way back now to Halifax we have people living in tents, and we've already known this, and it's happening across the country. It's happening across the states. Pretty much in most first world countries, it's, it's taking place. Uh, and so 
this was just announced that Halifax has assigned a new tent location yeah. uh, in Lower Sackville, which is a neighborhood here. It's a baseball field. They have eight tents set up there. I think I've, I've already seen them there, yeah. Have you? Yeah, they were yeah. originally down the road. Yeah. People were interviewing people that are at the site, and there are people there with full-time jobs. Um, so, like, this is the problem with bringing in so many people, and, and they're like, look, I was renting a hotel, and now mm-hmm. they will no longer extend my stay after three months, Cheapers. and so now I'm literally here. And I'll be honest with you, I've had applicants that say, we're in a tent right now, and we need an apartment. Holy but it, it's it's a tough one on the on the receiving end. Like I'm like, okay, of course I want to house these people. But then it's always like the question of like, is there something more to the story? And so it, there's a bunch of issues with that. It's like a moral um, dilemma. But this is where I go back to my whole thing of like why I think they might have to curb immigration. It's not because I want them to curb immigration. Like I'm a second-gen immigrant myself. Uh, it's because I'm like, we are now having... And everywhere. I went, I went for a coffee this morning in the park across the street... Literally between every single tree, there was a tent. Uh, I drive anywhere there's like parkland in any of the downtown locations. I see them like snugged deep within mm-hmm. the bushes all the way along our waterfront yeah. on the Dartmouth side. Yeah. There are like literally we can see it out behind us right now. There are tents snugged everywhere. So again, this immigration idea is amazing. And we are in the industry of basically people and we need it. But we're doing nothing on the, on the housing side to do this. It's, it's great. Look, okay, we maybe we don't need more industry within our country because we have some job vacancies so we can actually employ all these people that are coming. What are we going to do with all these people that are coming? And then, and they said the, the Fed's like, well, we're hoping they're going to go to more auxiliary areas. And I'm like, looking you at Nova Scotia, the auxiliary areas are also areas, totally. And, yeah, and even looking at the auxiliary areas in Nova Scotia, they are full. Yeah, like Amherst is like, we need true. someone to come here. We will give you the land for free to build. New Glasgow, same thing. We're like, we'll pave. I think or Amherst said they'll pave the roads. New Glasgow said they'll give the land away for free. Sydney's also on like a same mindset of like, we have great land. We'll sell it to you for very cheap with the right plan. Um, so I don't know. This is, I, I just wanted to put that yeah. in there. Like, yeah. where is this going? It, it, again, immigration's amazing. I'm all for it. I'm going to get... Where's the incentives to get some yeah. housing, or or the government needs to just step up and build it themselves? That's the only solution. But whatever, we've pounded that drum. Um, so I've a couple thoughts on all that because that's all really interesting and, and sad in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. With Sackville, mm-hmm. like you can always understand um, the situation around Halifax, like downtown Halifax and downtown Dartmouth. Yeah, because easy transit. Yeah, hospitals support mm-hmm. this is why you know unhoused people tend to move towards major centers yeah to see it in a place like sackville yep. is a little bit more jarring because you're 35 minutes from downtown yeah and so that is th- those are displaced individuals from literally within what some people call like a suburb yeah right like it's, it's kind of a bedroom community to halifax for people who aren't familiar while there is the cobacoid medical center there there's not as many things that you would think of in terms of resources and, and things yep. available to these folks. So it's not a situation of they've come from other areas and all kind of accumulated in one area and increased that density. These are people who presumably were in apartments in Sackville up until just recently. Um, so it is quite jarring to see that. It comes down to supply, man. Like, there's no vacancies There was also a discussion of fear of being moved because they found that when they went to the encampments within the peninsula, that once it became too dense, then the city would intervene. And so there's a hope that, like, if we can keep this to a small group of 10 or 12 of us, yeah. um, they might not 
move us around as much. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it in my passing by those those tented areas, they were some of the. I don't. I hate to say this, but like tidier and and exactly. you know yeah. Whereas some of the ones here in town <laughs> have um, unfortunately gotten a little bit in in rougher shape. So I can understand them saying like, no, we feel comfortable here. This is also the community that we're used to. We want to stay there. Yeah. Um, One thing I want to say that I think like makes a lot of sense. And we've said it before. Why, like, why don't they just say like, boom, emergency action action team. We take a piece of surplus land and we just build uh, a properly sized building to house like like a homeless shelter basically why can't they just go out and build something like that immediately they've done these temporary city or well, or the, or or even like the city has uh one they have no housing mandate so they don't have any funds the province then i guess all right uh, and they can't do it on land that's not theirs and most of the vacant land that you can think of that that's actually a resource is, is province owned i understand um, when i say city i mean city or province yeah uh, why does the either, province do it either either party why don't they step up to the plate um because realistically, the amount of money that needs to go out, like... I mean, the provincial government is too concerned with buying your votes by, like, blocking Nova Scotia power rate hikes and rent control. Oh. That's what their <laughs> focus is on. True. Um, so... It, it, I, don't, I just don't understand the insanity at this point. This is not, like, a new issue that's been happening. It's been years now. And I'm like, if they had started some sort of project, we would have oh, something. Even their temporary encampments took, like, a year to build. And their trailers... That are in a parking lot. If they had started an 80-unit dwelling on the same date that they started those temporary, you know, that search for those temporary units, they would be fully occupied by the spring. Not now, but by the spring, they'd be fully occupied, those 80 units. And realistically, they wouldn't even do 80 units. They'd probably do, like, micro-suites that that 80 actually ends up with, like, 160 bedrooms. Like, that would have been done in this spring if they had started it back then. Is now there a that single permanent structure under construction like under construction to help, like to help with this? Um I ooh gosh, that's a phenomenal question. I think there's some like co-op and housing trusts. Yes, yeah, 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 co-ops um, and housing trusts. They're small. Six exactly. units here, 12 there, maybe 18 here. It's that's, yeah. I, that's the stuff that I think is insanity to me. They're waiting for the private sector to bail them out while at the same time just well, demonizing what? the private sector and the media. That's what I mean. Like, how can the private sector yeah. bail them out if they're going to hammer them with all the, like you said, regulation yeah. constantly and demonizing them? Yeah. Like, it's it, anyways, I, I just, I saw that and I was like, this is nuts that we continue to kind of just operate and people aren't pushing harder on this. And somehow I'm, I'm surprised it doesn't take more media hold that like this is taking place. And meanwhile, they're just, everyone's fired up. They're like, oh, Timmy doesn't stepped up well, to, to hit Doesn't click Camara. well. Um, here's my other concern. And I even I hate to put this out to the universe because I'm worried that it's going to be true. Um, if you look at these periods of big influx of you know immigrant population simultaneously around a recession, it doesn't tend to be good for um, relationships between people who have maybe been here for multiple generations mm-hmm. and new to country. People get really ignorant really quickly. And if we do have massive job loss at the same time that there is a massive influx of new labor that maybe takes some of those jobs, I'm worried for what the fallout of that is from a political knee-jerk. You know, people are dumb well, idiots when it comes to this stuff. People are dumb idiots, and they are, are completely uh, irrational and ignorant in some of the stuff that they say um, and do and how they act. Um, but one thing I'll say that I see, and I can see how people, like, it will heighten their, let's say, anger, is that, like, I have 
immigrant workers working for me right now. They're not under my payroll, but they're through companies uh, that I empl- I hire. And those ca- companies are getting payroll incentives to hire the immigrants. And so it makes more mm-hmm. sense for them yeah. to hire an immigrant than it does to hire a local person. Right. And no one cares right now because all the local people that want jobs kind of have jobs. For the they most also part, right? all have jobs. Um, but again, but once, like you said, it turns well, over. Yeah, once they don't have the jobs. And uh, they get laid yeah. off because they cost twice as much as the immigrant worker next to them who just came here. Yeah. Like, is that, that's, and then I, I can I'm just see worried where, that's a powder keg. Like, I spent a lot of time in Europe right after they opened the EU, and all the Eastern Europeans, like, flocked to England, and, like, the tension was palpable in some instances. Yeah. Um, very, you know, highly densely populated country, a very traditional country in a lot of sense, because, you know, the whole colonial history of Great Britain, like, all that stuff was there, and then this massive influx flux of immigrants um, at a time when, you know, then things fell off a cliff in the EU, and you look at some of the rise in nationalism, conservatism, and all these like far right. It coincides with some of that, and you hate to envision something like that in our country. Um, but I just worry if we have a recession at the same time as we bring in a bunch of immigrants, I could see that being. We can fix all this. All right, fix it, Neil. Just. Give us some housing incentives. We'll do so much construction that everyone gets a job. Jobs for you, jobs for them, jobs for all of us. Everyone's super pumped. You get a job. You get a job. Everyone gets a job. Rents come down. There's housing all over the place. No issues. Yeah. Done. Fix it. And inflation continues at all time highs. And inflation continues at all time highs. But it's sweet because you, you buy something today and then you can return it tomorrow for more money. Think about it. Right now, people love it. You can buy a car and then you drive for two years and you bring it back and get more money than you paid. Money's imaginary. Just Mon- keep kicking it. I down mean, it literally road. is. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're getting into some like crazy. Anyways, yeah, we have, we stuff, have digressed. I want to um, say I'm going to flip this around now, and I mentioned this when, when we started the, the episode that the opposite is happening in the states, and what I meant by that was is their rental rates are decreasing in fifty, over fifty percent of a hundred major centers. So they took a hundred major cities, over fifty percent of them their rental rates have begun to decrease for the first time in, I think, two years. Right. Um, 20% are stagnant. So hmm. that's probably almost 75% are effectively flat or going down. Now, some of this is seasonal, but keep and going. The 25, well, and that's 25% of it is the last remaining, I'll say the high-end markets, are continuing to go up. But the places that dropped the most were just on the outskirts of the high-end area. So I places like okay. LA, San Fran, New York, uh, Florida... Those, Those cores, the cores have remained strong, but auxiliary markets just outside of that are not doing so hot. Um, well, that's interesting. And we have a Patreon episode about some of the pros and cons of investing in secondary markets. Yep. Right. So check that out. Um, okay. Two things. This is kind of sketchy. Like, this is why two the States t- is a yeah. whole different animal. You got rates going down or interest rates going up. Yeah. Rental rates going down. So if you own. Job market's still through the roof, though. Job market's through the roof. Um, but here's the thing. I think that's a bit of a BS stat. We have to follow that a little bit because people it's forget. It's purely seasonal. Oh, you know as well as I do that rental rates are seasonal. Rental rates always go down in the fall, always, since the They're dawn of time. They're not down anywhere here. I, I, it's slower. It's slower. I'll say it's slower. Yeah. I would... Uh, I don't know. We, we, we don't have, I don't know if you have any data here locally, but I've heard anecdotally from people like, man, I'm having trouble filling my unit right now. Like, yep. And some of that is maybe people want the creme de la creme and so many what you'd call um, 
blue chip tenants. I don't know what what term to use, but like they're they're if they're in their unit, they're happy with it. They're not moving. But on the, on the side note, we're also saying that there's people sleeping in tents. There's way too many people here. Yeah. We can't totally. house all the people. Yeah. So even with the seasonal movements, realistically, we should not be facing things going down. Well, if people we're don't saying have the record money, low they don't have the money, right? Like, you know, how, come, how some housing people, prices aren't I mean, still going up, right? Well, because people can't afford the houses, right? There are people who need houses, but they can't afford them, so the price can't go up anymore. I, I think some of that is going to be seasonal. I, I do think, though, um, it's inevitable, right? Like, People are getting squeezed. They have to be mindful of their budget. And I do think a lot of tenants are hunkering down. I'd be really interested to see the turnover rate of tenants. Like, they used to, there was a time, as a tenant, you would hop from building to building. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm in this, oh, this building's a little newer. And yeah, as yeah. landlords, landlords used to give away shop the better, the best deals. a free TV and one month's rent. I, do you remember I remember those? those, yeah, in Clayton Park. Yeah, they'd yeah. go to Clayton Park, they'd build a new building, and what they'd do is they'd give you a free TV, and one month of free rent to move from the building down the street to the new building. And they would often have your mailing address because chances are they were the same builder that built the one down the road. <laughs> and what they would do is they'd build them, get them to All 95% get that refi. refi, or they would sell it to um, REIT. a REIT because their contract would say, listen, as soon as, you, their tenants. <laughs> exactly, as soon as you have 90% occupancy, we'll buy it. And then they would just steal the tenants from their old previous building. Anyway. I mail all um, of Chandler's tenants. So... <laughs> Like, that was a thing, but I think right now, tenants are saying, I've got a good thing. I'm happy where I'm at. Mm. I'm not moving, mm. right? Maybe I'm in a month-to-month, and, and I've got rent predictability. Maybe I just kind of like my place. Better the devil that, devil you know than the devil you don't. Maybe they've got an awesome landlord like Chandler. Like, and I'm just surprised that there's that many people that are, like, housing's your number one item, and I understand the affordability issue, but I figured people would bite the bullet and say, I need a unit, uh, and I would try and cut elsewhere before... Being like, eh, I'll live on a couch or I'll live in my parents' basement or I'll yeah. live in a tent. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I understand not buying because buying is not necessarily a necessity, but yeah. I figure that people wanting a roof over their head. That's why I think renting yeah. to me is more concerning. The housing market, I feel like 50% of buyers are trying to time the market. E- yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Because yeah. everyone looks yeah. at it as their biggest asset. And so right now, I think a lot of people are holding off. Mixed because, yeah, they can't afford where they want it to be, but also because everyone's trying to time the market and they don't want to call it, catch a falling knife. Yeah. Where you're, when you sign a lease, you're like, well, I can leave in a year, I can leave in six months or whatever it may be. Yeah. They're just like, I need somewhere to live. So so you think rates are still going up here locally? Uh, rental rates? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say rental rates are continuing uh, continuing to climb. I think we did go through a little bit of a slow comment, period. Comment below. If, if you've been renting a place recently, like if, if you've been turning over some of your units, comment below what... I'm sure you're still getting the rates, but there's a big difference. Like you can start seeing the shoe drop, and it was the same in the real estate market on sales. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we're still getting our like 50 over, but rather than 15 offers, there was only six. Yeah. Right. And so, like, are, are the number of showings dropping? I'd, I'd be curious to hear what people say. Just it'll comment sh- below. It'll um, shoot back up. You know. when We have this many with the 500,000 people coming. Oh yeah. Next, like, I remember when we talked about the housing situation. And I even had this conversation with some tenants who were moving out of a new building that I purchased. It was like, you realize it's bad now? In August, when the students arrive, it is going to be impossible. And all of these new people next year, mm-hmm. we thought it was bad this year. Like, how many students are stacked on top of each other or had to go back home? And interestingly, across the board, almost every single university in Nova Scotia was down on enrollment. Yep. I think there was one that maybe stayed about the same. All the rest were down. Yep. Um, how 
Where are they going to go next year? Where are they going to go? What was the reasoning for the enrollment reduction? I think that's probably a, a loaded question, but I think, well, I mean, we, we were here and we um, were screaming about how the whole university factory system is flawed. I think people are starting to feel that way. I think that general idea is starting to slow and they're also, like nowadays, there's a lot of career options that are outside of the university yeah, path. Yeah, 100%. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm speculating. I know sometimes there's some ebbs and flows about, you know, um, Atlantic Canadian universities have a big draw for a little while and then it comes back down and then it, people are going elsewhere. But They're going to have to modify curriculums to try and recapture people's intention. Maybe you'll see shorter programs. I feel like that will be a big change is shorter programs because a lot of programs people are like, yeah, what I learned in year one and now I'm coming out in year five and I it's irrelevant. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that said, so I can do a five-year um, arts degree and struggle to get employment or I can do a certificate in project management and yeah. get hired at any contracting company, you know, any GC. You can probably get in the them country. to cover they probably your pay for it, yeah. Courses. Yeah. And I'm not dumping on arts I've I've got a couple of arts degrees. I'm not I'm saying but like it's five years to get something that is harder to take to market in the marketplace we've had over the last two years. Oh yeah. Um whereas you could get a bunch of certificates and go out there and, you know, make bank day one. Right. hundred percent. I saw the same in my class, engineering degree, and we all thought that it was going to be easy peasy getting a job, and it was not. It yeah. was not. I'd say 50% of the class walked out with a job. The other 50 took became time. Realtors. Became realtors. <laughs> <laughs> For my class specifically, maybe. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so no, I get that. Okay, interesting. Oh my gosh, you know what I didn't mention off the top? No, what, did you, what didn't you mention? MKR number one, baby. I was going to bring that up in our personal news. Okay, yeah. we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, what do you got? Hey, thanks for listening until this point. As always, like, follow, subscribe. Questions down below makes a world of difference. And we try to get back to them. We're actually releasing a couple episodes where we answer specifically your questions. So please put them down below. We've got a lot of great stuff in the second half. We're actually going to dive into a new purchase that Neil is making. Well, we're going to tease a little bit about it. And I'm going to talk about where I'm at on my projects. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned. More after this break. Well, we all, everyone likes to rag on the boomers. Right, the boomer generation boomer situation. There's something um, that I, I came across called the boomerang generation. What's the youngest a boomer can be? Do we know? Well, the baby boomers were post-war, right? So, uh, like, I don't know. My mom was born in 1950, and she's kind of like at the end of the boomers. Like, she's a bit young to be a boomer. Bring up the boomer generation, but continue. Yeah, I think boomer generation is probably like 44 to 49, kind of if you're born in there. Give or take. Anyway. Sorry, I just got a message. I'm just checking out here. Um, Neil's just going to I'm just quick to pause. See you guys. Um, yeah, so the boomer boomerang generation. Um, boomer which generation. Is between 2001 and 2016, multi-generational homes were the fastest growing type of household in Canada. 1946 to 64. 1946 to 54? Okay, 64. That's, what? That's ridiculously broad. But um, So now... About 6% of the Canadian population live in multi-generational adult homes. So this isn't talking about, like, parents living with their kids, uh, unless their kids are adults, right? So adult children... I missed the first part of this. Okay. Yeah, get off your cell phone, bud. I'm off. Uh, between 2001 and 2016, multi-generational homes were the fastest-growing type of household in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, it grew, you know, like, it almost grew by 40% in that, that time period. Mm -hmm. But now about 6%... 
of Canada's population live in multi-generational adult homes. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't include duplexes and triplexes. So this doesn't include if like two generations bought a duplex and one lives upstairs and one lives downstairs. No, they're talking about like one dwelling having multi-generations of adults, including in a lot of cases, grandchildren living with grandparents, which I thought was really interesting. You said it grew the fastest in 2001 or 2020? In, in that range, that period of 15 years, it was the fastest growing type of, of living arrangement in Canada. I, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, again, it's, I think that is pr- like I think purely that's on an affordability basis. I th- I think I, I don't know. I, there, I was gonna say like there's a lot of um, I see it a lot now. Like I've had people say like, listen, we want this situation. We want space in the basement for our parents to live here one day. Maybe now. Maybe five years from now when they sell their place. Yeah. I see people increasingly thinking about that. Siblings going in buying a property. I've even seen um, like couples. You know, or, or two individuals, two single people, even cohabitating and buying in order to increase their purchasing power. A lot. It all comes back to affordability, obviously. So, I think yeah, I think for the affordability is one of the biggest drivers for it. Um, I think it's also partially with immigrant families. Yeah, uh, that's, that's included in that too. stat. That's interesting too. It's very common for immigrant families to do this. Yeah. Uh, culturally, it's the norm uh, mm. for parents to live with kids, raise the kids, and then the kids I hadn't effectively that, take over yeah. and keep the parents around and take care of their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, additionally, I think the general culture, even for North Americans, has changed a little bit where it's more okay and less looked down upon to keep your kids in your home or keep the, the kids close by. Like, I think 40, 50 years ago, maybe 60 years ago, it would have been very like, oh, like what? What's wrong with your kid? He yeah, can't. Yeah. He can't go out and get yeah. his own house and his own job. Totally. And now it's not considered. That's like, yeah, like I, my parents at home. Uh, my parents maybe need a bit of assistance or whatever, and so they live in an ensuite or an in-law suite. Um, that, 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 like that's considered to be much more normal now. And even in some cases, considered being savvy and smart with your money and and why e- spend it if you don't yeah. need to. And parents being like, why are you going to just pour your money out for rent? But it's called the boomerang generation, which I thought was super clever because it's the children of boomers who often leave the nest, university, do whatever, stay in res, yeah. maybe have an apartment, and then move back. And in the States, young adults between 25 and 34, the number living with parents or grandparents uh, doubled from 7% up to 18%. So 18% of young adults 25 to 34 uh, have moved back in to live with their parents and grandparents. And if you count those that also live with siblings, it's up to 21%. So 21% of young adults between 25 and 35 in the U.S. are living with either their parents, their grandparents, or their siblings. I don't have kids, so I've never considered this. You have kids. I do. How, like, what is your thought in your head? Are you wanting your boys when they turn, they're going to watch this back and be like, Dad, you said... I just don't want my mother-in-law to watch this. <laughs> the boys can move back in. I don't want Karen moving in. What? Maybe Karen, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're getting in shit for that. Um, what do you, in your head, how do you see it going with your boys? Like, so, you mentioned, you've, you've, I think you've mentioned on here before that you had an interest at least in being in the neighborhood. Yeah. Potentially being in like a, a, a duplex style property that's it's close by. Like, what, what do you, how do you see things going? So, I've, mention this to a bunch of people and, and probably on here like I have a real concern about where my children will be able to afford to live like yeah. I think I I know where I want to live my days yeah. and that's the damn house I live in now I want to <laughs> I'm going to leave their feet first on a gurney um, <laughs> and then ideally I'm going to be buried in the yard um, oh no you know, resale and then the, value just went to zero <laughs> and then the kids can take over the house uh, and do whatever they want hopefully keep it but um, so that's where I want to live and the 
concern becomes like, where are my kids going to live? Probably an expensive if, neighborhood when your kids go to buy. Yeah, yeah. Very um, expensive neighborhood. Exactly. So I have a couple properties that part of me is just keeping because I want them to live there one day. Um, and I don't want them to be paying someone else for rent. I want to help them. So you are going to leverage the income from your kids. That's a, yeah, that's right. Exactly. I'm going to make them pay me right now. Um, look, look, look. I'll give you 2400 for the first six months. <laughs> well, that's fine, And then fine, there's an, escala- Shay, there's an escalation like, clause in there. <laughs> Randy's offering me twenty five, and uh, he is the oldest. Um, would you want them to live in the house with you? Like, you have enough space, I would say, in your house now to potentially, or enough space on your lot to maybe build an addition. Would yeah, you I mean, we've look got at doing a, we, that? We've got a guest suite, like, upstairs already that, um, you know, I think it would make sense. I think at some point they want will want a little bit of separation from us. But, like, every now and again, my youngest will say something cute like, I think I'll probably just live with you guys, maybe in the attic. And I'm like, <laughs> I love you so much. You can stay with us forever. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I I wouldn't care, um, but I would love for my children to spread their wings one day, move out on their own, uh, maybe start a family of their own. But I want it to be close by to me. And if that means giving them a freaking property across the street, then that's what I'm going to do. Okay. And maybe that's nepotism, whatever. Who cares? If you have kids, you get it. Like, you love those little buggers and you want them close to you and you want them with whatever help you can provide them. When your knees weak, back sore, do you have an expectation for your kids to be around to help you out? Uh, yeah, I mean, she'll probably leave me out to dry, but Randy will take <laughs> care of me. Randy will wipe the spit off my chin for sure. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I don't think about that. I hope I just, like... Working and healthy up until the moment I drop dead. No, and that's I'll, my plan. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why I ask. I, I would say culturally for me, the expectation, at least how I see it, and I'm sure I'm going to get some comments on this, but is your mom was moving back in with you? I mean, she would love that. I think honestly, um, or at least with the same thing within the same street or in her own separate space on a, like a large lot. Yeah. Um, and there is, I think, an expectation culturally for me to support. Um, as time goes on, and I, and I want to as well, um, but I think there there is a genuine expectation that I should be there to do that. And so, yeah, um, and again, like I said, I think a big part of that stat is on top of the affordability. I think it genuinely is a lot of immigrant families you will see are doing that. And I bet you a lot of them are afraid to even report it. So I bet you that's a higher percentage than we than we think. Well, here's another thing that's interesting about this living situation. And let's take for example um, the grandkid living with the grandparent. The grandparent is also experiencing a pinch with respect to expenses, right? Like they may have their property tax capped, but their food budget's going up, their heating budget's going up, and they're on a fixed income in most cases. Yeah, true. So actually getting the younger roommate who happens to be, you know, your 26-year-old grandkid uh, is pretty sweet. And then you get that fact of like there's one thing that we don't do in our crazy society anymore, which is actually to like – I was going to say talk to old people. <laughs> Jesus, no, speak like, for yourself, like, Chandler. We, we don't have as much generational wisdom passed down as I think we once did. And yeah. like, it, there's a lot of societies out there that do a way better job of learning from their elders and um, hearing their elders. And so there, there's this thing called um, like effectively elder loneliness and isolation. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. While it would be must be a real change for them to have this twenty something move back into their house, I'm sure there's all kinds of other mental health benefits around the situation too. So I think it's super cool. Um, if you are part of the boomerang generation in one way or the other, comment down below. Do you, want to hear Do you my live fantasy? with old people? Comment do you hear my below. Fantasy? Who wants to hear my fantasy? 
uh, why did we just transition from living with your grandmother to Neil like, want to hear my fantasy? <laughs> <laughs> we got a geezer pleaser over here to my right. <laughs> let me let me tell you my fantasy now. Wow. Um, I always thought it'd be so cool if I had like a, a grandparents that were like basically mm-hmm. ultra rich and had a massive mansion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This, this is your own. This okay. is your, you're filling in your own. No, no, okay. Mind. Okay, go. No, no, but I thought it'd be super cool if I had like grandparents that had like a massive mansion. Yeah, it would be and super cool. just had like super neat. For me, I'm a car freak. Everyone knows that. And they had like super cool, badass old cars. And they were just like, you just live here and take care of the house and us. And you can use the house as you please. And you can use the cars as you please. And I'd be like, it would have been the sickest thing to just have like an 80s like Lambo or something like that and just be able to rip that once in a while and then like come home this big giant house that's like effectively empty for the most part and just be like yeah I, I just take care of this like i always thought that'd be the sweetest thing being ever. a spoiled gold digging grandchild was neil's 100 aspiration I yeah. feel, I, like it feels like a movie scene when it's just like you know what i mean you get the call and then yeah. you're like yeah you just you just cook for them once or whatever a day and then you're chilling in the space you know one thing that i've heard about um in in some cultures and i i, I don't want to say which ones? Because I, I don't want to get this wrong, but um, there's a big thing about how grandparents don't leave anything to their own kids. They leave it to their grandchildren. The reason being is... Oh, yeah, true. I've heard about this. T- two things. One, they don't want to make their own kids lazy. So they say, listen, I'm rich. You're not. You have to go out there and, and get <laughs> your own. Uh, they also don't want to create um, conflicts of interest or arguments between their own children. Mm. Right, like who's getting what, blah blah blah. Who's taking care of the parents? So what they do is they skip a generation, and they split it amongst the grandchildren. Chandler's pissed. You can tell he's getting heated here. So, damn it, George. <laughs> no. um, but I thought that was a really, really interesting way to avoid maybe some of the pitfalls you think of when kids are born into money and they perhaps don't feel as motivated to work and make their own way. Um, Generational wealth tax. G- generational that's, that's wealth. A, that's a separate separate topic. Oh, does it? Th- there are tax we, benefits to sending it to the grandkids? We, no, there isn't. Okay, not that I'm say. aware of. I'm just saying I'm a fan of generational wealth tax. Yeah. Um, but I thought that's super cool. They yeah. Give it, they give it to the grandkids and not their own kids. That is neat. Yeah. I didn't get anything from my grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you had these dreams of these imaginary better grandparents <laughs> yeah, exactly. that had big houses, fancy cars, and were super hot. Yeah, we get it, Neil. Oh, okay. We get All it. Right. The last one. Jeepers. <laughs> that um, last one, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, moving on to our next topic. Do I want to talk about ourselves for a little bit? Isn't that what we do every week? That no. is what we do. We just talk about ourselves. But we haven't done a personal update in a while, um, and I think it's long overdue. Uh, Chandler wants to start with a big one that I'm. I'm also. He's over here shaking his hands, fired up, celebrating. Go ahead, you you announce it, Chandler. Um, well, as you guys know, uh, or a lot of you would know that um, we formed uh, a group, the MKR group, uh, which is uh, a sales group for our, our real estate sales business with two partners of ours, Marcus Sampson, Angela Fordrone. Um, and really happy to say, like yep. we knew that long term, we had confidence in our ability to effectively be the top producing team at Remax yeah. uh, at some point in the next 24 months. Uh, but we managed to do it in five months. Yeah. So respect. Boom, boom. Nice work. Very, very happy with that. Um, again, anyone who's a client's listening, thank you so much for totally trusting us to do it. And yeah. we're hoping to continue this kind of growth moving forward. Yeah. Um, but that was super exciting. Uh, I saw the email. They don't say in the email what place you are. But then there's and just like to open the little the PDF is attached. And I'm like, ah, oh, like I started prepping myself in my head. I'm like, oh, you know what? Like 
second or third would be sweet. Like we're just getting into it. Like no. this is this is it. Number one or bust. And uh, I opened it, and it was number one. I was like, oh. Hells yeah. yeah I was surprised you hadn't called me yet. I was like... I didn't see it. My Chan- emails don't come through from the <laughs> office. It's very frustrating. Hey, I was so surprised Chandler hadn't called me and, and started going on about it. But uh, no, I, I'm super pumped again. I want to thank everyone. And Marcus and Angela, you guys are killing it yeah. if you guys are listening. Um, and so yeah, more uh, more number ones to come. Yeah, I was like monitoring it because I'm super competitive. Um, <laughs> it also means we're so taken off of the individual accomplishment list, which is sad. We're now we can only get the team accolades. That's, that's very fine. true. That's yeah. Um, but we're dominating, and it's because of the trust of clients, and some of whom we've met through this platform. And again, we started this platform not for sales. And I know a lot of other realtors listen to the show, which we love, and you know we we were glad they take something from that, and they give us feedback, and, and we take from them. Um, but our intent was not to build clients and get clients from this. We just genuinely wanted to add some value to the market and, and the space and the community. Nobody else um, in the office would listen to us and yeah. Chandler and I yap yeah. at each other yeah. a lot. So this, this was the only logical step. My wife doesn't want to hear any of this. So <laughs> I made a pod- podcast. Um, but we have met clients through this platform and that's super cool as well. Um, and with that, made friends and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's very cool. Thanks for the support. That's something that's very much specific to what's going on in our life. That's but how we pay our bills. Celebrating. That's, that's how we do all this. That's how we even pay for this podcast. Uh, it is. We're not, we're not making loads of money here. We, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a work if you progress. sign up for the Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 this guy never stops selling. Um, but yeah, on that same note, I, I also want to thank everyone for listening. The growth of the podcast has been immense yeah. in the last, I'd say, three to four months. And we do love you guys. And it's amazing. You guys are commenting. You're liking. You're messaging us directly. You're calling us. You're texting us. All those things. And it genuinely... It keeps us going because this is a huge time commitment. I underestimated what it takes to make uh, online content. And by no means are we really like anything amazing at all. And it's such a huge commitment and is like a major endeavor. And so you guys supporting us and kind of giving us a bit of feedback and giving us that support means a lot. And and again, I won't say the exact numbers, but I would say our viewership's almost gone up 200% in the last yeah. three to four months. Yeah. And I feel like we're hopefully starting to catch some wind in our sales and, and we're going to grow with this thing. So I love again, that's from you guys thanks, sharing thanks the everyone. podcast and posting, posting on your stories yeah. um, that you're watching it. That's huge. That like We've noticed that and people even saying things like, hey, I listen to it, I stream it, but I'm also going to go on to the tag YouTube us. video and light it. But yeah, tag us because sometimes we see it and we like, I don't know how to take the video and share it. <laughs> um, but no, it's been, it's been really great. So that was a nice thing that's going on in our lives. But also... Yeah. You're back in the saddle, Mr. Like, I think I'm going to sit on the sidelines for a while. I'm probably not going to buy anything for a while. Continuing my personal news, and as Chandler has mentioned. I'm fired up today. I'm uh, happy. Chandler is fired up today. I had a coffee today, so I'm wired. Um, I put something under contract. Yeah, you did. Do we want uh, to talk about what it is? I I wasn't sure if I want to talk about what it is directly yet because it's, it's uh, yeah, but it's not residential. Yeah. It doesn't house tenants. Um, it is a real estate play um once i get further down the line i'm gonna i'll explain everything and why i did it uh and what i think is going to come from it um but i've talked about it that i was putting things on pause i had some concerns on the residential side i've also mentioned on here multiple times that i don't love buying old inventory it's not for me it's not the most satisfying thing in the world i really want to get into building new i want to add inventory i want to try and alleviate some of the issues that are out there um, but it is a very difficult task to go into that world. It's very expensive and costly and you need to have a lot of experience. Um, so I'm trying to get that through buying old inventory. Anyways, in the interim, I, I have 
puts me under contract. Or once I get further down the line and I know for sure that I'm buying it, I will announce it on here and we will make Patreon episodes about what that looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to have a ton of exciting yeah. parts that I think you guys will all be interested in, in learning about and can benefit from. Um, but yeah, so I, I did get back in the saddle. Um, at the same time, I'm still completing my other residential project that I had started. I think when we last talked, I probably had seven buildings underway. Um, I've completed three of them and refinanced them at low, low loan to values. Uh, I got 60% out on one and 65 and 65 on the others. Mm. And to put that in perspective, the same type of building on the same street when rates were low, I pulled out 88%. Um, and these are all six plus unit buildings, uh, fully renovated and rented for great rental rates. But debt servicing is the concern for all of these banks. And so they're giving yeah. me these low, low loan to values. Um, it's it's good in some sense because I know I can always debt service and I have the equity there. But it it, uh, it is tough when you're like losing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of equity takeout yeah. at low interest rates that you could be utilizing to make more purchases and uh, get involved in other businesses. So that, that is taking place. Yeah. Buying a boat, buying some more cars. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, but in all seriousness, so again, I, I'm finishing my residential plays, um, working on refinancing those. I am starting to look at more residential plays again because I have this, I'm starting to feel more confident. It's funny. They only did 50 basis points. I'm like, yeah, everything's fixed now. We're back to it. Um, but yeah. I, I'm on this, again, where I'm seeing this amount of immigration. I'm like, frig, like, I don't know if it's ever going to slow down because a lot of the buyers and in the investor world, they're still making money and there's still a lot of aggressive people out there that are buying. And so we might not see a huge pullback. Like I think the States will, I really do, but I don't know if we're going to see it here. I saw a tweet. This is going back to something we talked about at the start of the episode uh, with this migration and stuff. I saw a tweet from someone who claims that they spoke to an MP and they said that a big part of this push mm. um, was, you know, not only just about satisfying the labor demand, but also to, Keep uh, help keep housing prices up. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like they're they're worried about how much wealth they're costing people. Because they they want to slow down the housing market a little bit, but they mainly want to slow down the rest of the economy. And turning these interest rates is housing's only so far hitting the housing thing. market and doing nothing for anything else. Yeah. And ironically, by hitting the housing market like that because of variable products, it's actually making life more expensive for people, not less expensive. So they're realizing, shoot, we need to maintain housing values to some degree. We can't like we can't crush them. Um, so anyway, you take that with a grain of salt because that's a tweet from some guy. Um, yeah. But, you know, someone who's connected that makes sense. Um, and was talking to an MP and... and uh, it, which is like you can't make that stuff up. They're like, yeah, we don't want inflation. Uh, we need to drive stuff down, but we're also going to bring in all these people to keep the price of housing up. It's like, cool. The levers and dials that you talk about, yeah. the more I dive into this and try and understand what's taking place, <laughs> there are so many levers and dials and parts yeah. at play. That's like, oh, you move this one thing and then these other two things are impacted. So then you add these couple things in and then this other thing's impacted. And yeah. it is it yeah. is a fine balancing act. And, and again, I think... The guys at the BOC and, and uh, part of the government are very knowledgeable and know what they're doing. Uh, it's just very... <laughs> Chandler's not so sold, but... I hate them. It, yeah, it, it's easy to pick on the different parts as they come out. Anyways, back to where I was at. Like I said, finishing my residential stuff, I'm still eventually hopefully being optimistic that I can build here. Um, this thing that I have under contract has a building portion. What do you think you'll get loan to value? 65. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm expecting 65%, maybe. Um... The other thing that I'm seeing take place is I'm starting to get calls again. 
there is real estate available. And so I'd say oh, that's one of the biggest... trying to unload some projects. Yeah, I'd say that is one of the biggest things that I'm seeing in my world. Um, as much like... I haven't done that much crazy stuff. I've actually been a bit slower. I've been trying to catch up on a lot of paperwork, my accounting, figuring out where I'm going to go and really preparing for what is to come um, and re-educating myself. I think we talked about this at the year-end podcast is what I regretted not doing and that was continuing to educate myself. And I, I did slow down and so now I'm trying to get back on the horse. Um, so yeah, that I'm just seeing now as I'm doing this, I'm getting a lot of calls without even a, without me looking. I'm getting calls from people being like, hey thoughts on this or hey remember this project we talked about and it, it is kind of satisfying to be like hmm i remember like really rolling the dice i'm like that was a million four when you called me yeah at six months ago and now you're willing to take a million two eh so yesterday's price is not today's price yeah and they seem a little more keen before they were really cocky like oh you don't want it okay see so yeah, you can uh, i'll call somebody else but now um so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, uh, again i'm surprised by the volume of those phone calls that i'm getting on the flip side, I, from clients and from listeners in the podcast, I'm getting a lot of calls from you guys being like, hey, like I'll scoop some of those up. So I think there are lots of people that are primed and ready as well to pick some of this up, which I think will support the markets, which is, again, where I'm like this back and yeah. forth of like the world is ending, but not in Canada. The yeah. world is ending, but not in Canada. But also like there's a price for everything. Yeah. Right. And we've said from the jump, like when this, you know, in this time there is going to be opportunity, right? Like this could be an almost generational um, redistribution of wealth yep. within the real estate world, at least, if not in other sectors as well. Um, redistributing so, wealth by taking it away from everybody. You know, will you look back, <laughs> um, will you look back at this time and think, well, you know, I'm so glad I just um, bore down and hoarded my cash and just bought and another sat car. there. Uh, and, and which you may be, right? Like you may mm-hmm. be, that was the best approach. Or will you look back and say, man, if that was, if I could have just grabbed the reins a little bit and gotten aggressive on something when it came back around, like even that 65% loan to value, like at some point mm-hmm. when rates come back around, you're going to have, and, and maybe it's in three years, right? You'll pay that down a little bit. You'll have yeah. 40% equity in those properties. Yeah. Right? And if money does get back cheap, the value will be even higher, so I might even have like fifty percent equity in those properties. Yeah, the value, yeah, you have fifty percent equity in those properties yeah. at an opportunistic time, um, you know. And meanwhile, you've acquired something else potentially. So, I don't know. Like we, we all need to be cautious. But if you can negotiate hard, like you're saying, like you're getting phone calls that were effectively worth two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Price has gone down two hundred thousand dollars. That's a two hundred thousand dollar phone call. It's hard to uh, replicate that value in any other circumstance other than this. So. One, Maybe you see some opportunity there. One thing I am like, and this is, again, this is where the bigger economics start to come into play. And I think this is what the the bigger, the REITs or the really big landlords start to consider. And I was looking at this is I got an offer for a refi on some of these properties that I'm getting 65% on. I'm getting offers from um, smaller banks that are willing to do 80, 85%. Um, and, but they're at a little bit higher rates. Um, and I'm like, hmm. And they have five-year lock-in periods. I'm like, hmm, I could do for the extra seven-figure payout today because uh, it would give me the options to go be aggressive. But then I'm like, wait a second. If I take that money out and rates do come down and now I'm paying 2% more than I would have been if I waited mm-hmm. and then I pay that 2% more for three years, what's 2% more on, we'll say, $10 million, right? That's a couple hundred grand a year. Yeah. That's actually $200,000 a year. And I'm like, wait a second. This is actually getting to a point where I'm like, if I don't deploy that capital 
effectively, is it worth the $200,000 a year? Is it worth a $600,000 cost? Oh, t- on $10 million? Yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, and that's just extra cost. Yeah. Like, and, then, and so I'm like, holy crap, it's you got to start... Um, or like if you need to break the penalty, if you need to break it and have a massive penalty. And there's also penalties and involved. Like, oh, well then, you know, anything I would have gained is now offset by that penalty, right? So, yes, I know. So I was thinking about this the other day. I'm uh, like, do I do this? Because, again, they're they're pretty keenly offering uh, a bunch of money in it. And I'm, I, I was super excited. And then I was like, wait a second. If I don't if I don't make good investments with this, if I don't basically make the 600K, um, which I should be able to, because you're like, well, it's $10 million. You know, you should be able to make 600K on that. But it's not $10 million because I am already at 65%. So it's going to be an extra few million dollars that mm. effectively cost me that $600,000 extra, right? Um, yeah, so. and it's also like, well, what do they know that we don't? Like, why do they mm-hmm. think that, you know, call it 5% interest rate or I don't know, whatever percent, um, I think they're horny to give it to me because right now, then they'll be able to have those mortgages that they can then go out and sell. Yeah. Uh, oh, right, right. In, and in, in two years, yeah. be able to sell a mortgage at five, six, seven percent is going to be insane because we're going to yeah. be back down probably at the three percent range, four percent range, and yeah. it's like you know what I mean. So that extra couple yeah. basis points, and like these guys are locked in for five years. Yeah. Like you know what I mean. Yeah, they're like we'll get you in years three, four, and five. So. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Anyways. Yeah. What do you got going on? Um, I mean, just the same crap, man. Um, I've got the eight unit building is. You buy any single families? Um, I mean, that's your, your eight, it's your six, gig. Um, four, two. Why don't you buy another lake house that you don't occupy? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I put a re- rental apartment in the basement. It's also <laughs> unoccupied, but. <laughs> um, so I, I've got the eight units. Um. Gosh, I feel like the end is in sight here. Um, like two or three of the units are basically ready. Like someone could move into them. The challenge is the hallways are not ready. The entryway is not ready. We can um, do a video there? Yeah, we definitely do. It, it was the same <laughs> one that we did a video of way back. It was, it was all framed yeah. up. Yeah, so uh, we can go in and start seeing some finished product there. Um, really hoping to have that done by end of year. Um, which will then allow us to roll literally down the street to a demoed out six unit uh, that I have one unit occupied because, you know, was a great previous tenant and I wanted to move her back in and blah, blah, So she's like chilling in there. She's got a great situation. She's one person alone in the six unit building. Um, and then the 12 unit that I closed on not too long ago, I now have 10 of the 12 vacant with the other two coming up vacant here shortly. So I'm starting demo on that project. You have um, 10 of 12 vacant on that place already. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. And the other two Tenet are Tenant over here. Yeah. Um, you know, that went nice and smoothly. Um, what have you been buying them out with? Cash monies? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, go, through the, I go through the motion, the DR5, and here are your options, and let's work together on it. Um, so that's gone really, really well. Um, and then the other projects that I picked up, again, more recently, which is, like, 18 units and then a duplexes triplexes like those mm. are so far on the back burner i'm just letting them run yeah. and chill and they're out of sight out of mind i will visit that project probably a year from now do you have a tally for your eight unit reno um yeah it's coming in around patreon. oh gosh yeah we'll bring it all down <laughs> the patreon um i mean all the numbers aren't back yet so but it's a lot okay yeah i kind of budgeted uh like 35 a door, and it's come in quite a bit higher than that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. That's I, I see that a lot, too. Um, 
what uh, have you done leasing yet on the eight unit? No, I've been reluctant to because of vacant buildings are better. <laughs> um, no, but you know how it is. Like the the entryway is not finished. The hallways are not finished. Yeah, so it's hard for someone to stomach that. Yeah. Yeah, and and so whoever's living in there is going to hear work going on, and so here we are. I'd be renting something for December first, like, and I could have two or three units ready for December first. Yeah. Um, but is it going to be a good experience? Is it going to get people started off on the right foot? I don't know that it is. Mm-hmm. And then the next rental date is January first, which is just about the worst possible date. Um, to occupy units like mm-hmm. people are not typically looking to move on Boxing Day to their new apartment. Like, so I think now I'm just going to target February and be like, let's see if I can get you know a bunch of them ready for February. Yeah, that's a good idea. Now that you say that, I might, I might try the same on some of my units. Yeah, but it's just it's just a bad <coughs> first experience because people come like, I can't get out of my the parking spot because you know there's a van in the driveway, mm. or like you know I'm not in the buzzer system yet or because it's not connected. Are you sleeping in the van now? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's where I'm at. I'm uh, in the van down by the river. <laughs> um, yeah. So a lot of a lot of projects underway. Um, feeling really good. Like I, I've put a bit more consideration into how I want them to function because I was ignorantly just kind of spending my own money and it was hand to mouth, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm realized like, listen. You're at the scale now where you should do construction financing on these things. Make mm-hmm. your life a lot simpler. Um, so I have that in motion to complete the project that I'm on, but also for the next two projects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to go through that. And it's also good to have like really recent numbers of a project. Like, okay, now we're going to replicate this over there. I'm just going to carbon copy all the numbers, adjust for square footages, and I should be able to have a really airtight quote for um, six, for the six and then for the 12 as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the 6 and 12 will hopefully run kind of simultaneous to one another. 12s are one bedrooms? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a couple. I saw like you had uh, some nice artwork on your parking garage. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Real cool tag. Yeah. <laughs> Real cool tag, bro. <laughs> There's um, a nice little graffiti art on the yeah. roll-up door. First of all, man, like, you don't hit residential spaces. And two, it's not even any good. It's like some dumb kid. Look, man, I tried my best. <laughs> 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 Looks like you traced it. Um. Yeah, so that's what's new with me, and and um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to like this that time of year. Like, I I'm excited for us to do a goal setting and an end of year and all that stuff because uh, there's some few things I want to do differently next year. But I have started to take stock of this past year. I was like, damn man, this is the most units I've ever acquired in 12 months by like a wide friggin' margin. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy about a lot of it, and I've learned a lot. And um, not to get too nostalgic looking back, we're only here in in November, but um, it is time to start thinking about. You know, the new year and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what's new with us, for those of you who have asked. Maybe you don't care, but, I mean, we haven't checked in on that. We've had a, a really good run of, of awesome guests lately and, and crazy topics to discuss. So, uh, would love to hear from you guys what you're up to. Um, you know, we're going to continue to unpack some of these projects. We'll, we'll see what happens with your thing, your, your purchase. That could be really exciting. Yeah. Um, and then I should be... Like I said, finishing these, so we'll have some video content on finishing these using units and breaking down the numbers. And yeah, if you're high end, man, it's ridiculous. Like quartz counters, in unit laundry, heat pumps, they look custom sharp. decks the with all glass. Like yeah, yeah, it's it's coming out really good. Um, probably a little overkill. Yeah. Um, but yeah. If you're still listening at this point, question for you guys: What would you be interested in hearing from Chandler and I? Would you be interested in hearing more about? Our buildings. Uh, would you want me to talk maybe about some of the cars that I'm flipping? 
would you want Chandler and I to do maybe a competition for making a down payment or something along those lines where we give you an update every episode on our road to $5,000 starting with yeah. 100 bucks or something like that. Um, give us some ideas. Let us know. I mean, Or maybe like you just want to hear more about Neil's fantasies about his grandparents. Or you can hear my fantasies. <laughs> Tons of great content for the people oh, out no. there. Um, anyways, let us know. Uh, again, we appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Please share our stuff, but tag us and we will reshare the shit out of you. Yeah. Um, so again, thanks guys. Peace. Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out.